Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. This is episode 49. You get the links to everything we talk about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M 49. And I'm actually recording this right after I recorded uh, episode 48. Uh, because I didn't get this record yesterday. And so I wanted to make sure I recorded everything that I learned and I studied in Mosiah chapter one. And now we're moving on to Mosiah chapter two. Um, so if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. It's the episode right before this one. Um, and I think there's some really good stuff that you'll like in there. There's always some really good stuff. That's the, that's the tagline of this podcast pretty much. But Mosiah chapter two, I noticed some things in Mosiah chapter two that really blew me away. You know, this is the beginning of Mosiah's or of King Benjamin's address to his people. And as I got to chapter or verses 9, 10, and 11, I noticed something that I'd never noticed before. And maybe this is a, you know, I want to be careful I say this because I'm not, well, I, th- I think you'll know what I'm saying. But as I read 9, 10, and 11, this is where, this is where King Benjamin's prefacing his, his address. And he's basically saying, look, I'm just like you. I, I struggle just like you do. I'm your. I, I'm here to serve you. Um, you know, I, I'm no better than you are. But as I read this, I thought to myself that this could be, this could be something that Christ would say to us. And and so in some ways, I think that King Benjamin is almost a type of Christ, because we could read through what he says, and I'll, I'll read through it here in a second, and, and invite you to think the same thing or to ask yourself the same thing. But everything he says, with the exception of one tiny thing, and I think even that we can adjust a little bit and it does fit, everything he says could be something that Christ would have said. So um, the middle of chapter or verse nine, um, King Benjamin says, I have not commanded you to come up hither to trifle with the words which I shall speak, but that you should hearken unto me and open your ears that ye may hear and your hearts that ye may understand and your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. And this is this one, when I read this, this is where it made me start thinking this. Because I said, this is something that God would say to us or Christ would say to us. He would say, look, I haven't commanded you to listen to me so that you can trifle with my words, um, so that you can argue with what I'm going to tell you. But I'm talking to you. I'm speaking to you. You know, thinking back to this whole thing with President Nelson saying, you encourage us to hear Christ. I'm speaking to you. That you should listen, and that you could that you would open your ears to hear me, and you would, your hearts that you could understand me, and your minds the, that my mysteries could be unfolded into your view. 
And I thought, I thought to myself, that's something that Christ could also say to us. And then we go to verse 10. Um, and and I, I thought the same thing as I read through these. I have not commanded you to come up hither that you should fear me. You know, I think I think sometimes Christ says that. Look, I, I'm not I'm not commanding you because I want you to be scared of me. I want you to love me. I want you to appreciate me. And then this is the one that I think we have to tweak a little bit. But he says, or that you should think that I of myself am more than a mortal man. Of course, Christ was more than a mortal man. He was the Son of God, but he was also born of a mortal mother. And then he says, but I am like as yourself, subject to all manner of infirmities in body and mind. Yet I have been chosen by this people and consecrated by my father. So Christ could say that. I'm like you. I had tr- I had struggles. I had infirmities, both in body and mind. You know, because he had a mortal mother, he experienced everything that we experienced. He could feel everything that we could feel. Um, he was chosen by his people. You know, the people chose to follow him. Uh, he was consecrated by his father. You know, he was set apart by Heavenly Father to be the Messiah. And then he says, and I w- and was suffered by the hand of the Lord that I should be a ruler and a king over this people. Christ was suffered by the hand of his father that he should be our ruler and our king. And then it says, and have been kept and preserved by his matchless power to serve you with all the might, mind, and strength which the Lord hath granted unto me. The Savior was kept and preserved by his God's matchless power, which was because he was the son of God, also his power. And he did serve us with all the might, mind, and strength that he was given. So as I read that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's really cool. That's like, I could take that and and imagine Christ saying it and it would fit perfectly. So in some ways, I think as any righteous leader, he had many of the qualities of Christ and he strived to be like Christ. He had Christ-like attributes. Now, was King Benjamin like the savior? Not totally. No, he was a, he was a mortal. Like he says, I am a mere mortal man, but he did have many of the attributes. And I think we can learn something of who Christ is by looking at who righteous leaders are. We can use it. You know, I I remember hearing, I've heard people say that, that our, our image of God of heavenly father is, is heavenly based on the father figures in our lives. And I think the same thing could be said for the leaders. You know, the image of, of who God is could be based largely on who our fathers are, uh, who our bishops are, who are, you know, the other church leaders that we interact with are, who the prophet is, because these are men and women who are striving to be like Christ. They're striving to have those same qualities. And while they fall short, we can look at them and get some glimpse as to who God might be, who Christ might be, what he's like, what his attributes are like how he would act, how he would treat us. I think that's important for us to remember. Not that they are perfect, but that they are striving to be like the Savior. And therefore, we can learn something of who the Savior is by seeing these mortal examples. All right. Um, Verse 17, this is one that we have always, um, we always quote. Let's see if there's anything else here. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll jump to that. This is one we always quote. I tell you these things that ye may learn wisdom, that ye may learn when you're in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. And as I read this, this I, I read this differently than I've ever read it before. I, we always think about it as service, and I think that's right. It absolutely is about service. But I read it from a what we do professionally, what we do as a career, and how that fits in. Because 
It says, when you're in the service of your fellow beings and anything you do work-wise should and probably is serving someone in some way. You know, whether you're providing a product or a service, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, whether you work for someone who provides a service, you know, whether you you work at a restaurant and you provide the service of allowing people to have food and nourishment or to experience a good time with their family and friends and to reconnect with people or to build relationships with their kids, um, you know, whether you uh, are, you know, work in a, a lawyer's office and you you help someone with their financial needs, whether you're an accountant and you help somebody to um, prepare their taxes so that they can take care of their family financially, you know, whether you are a daycare provider and you provide a service of taking care of someone's child while they, while they're uh, providing for their family, everything we do is serving someone else. That is the purpose of business is to provide a service, some sort of service. And so when, when there's service of our fellow beings, that is a spiritual activity because when we're serving our fellow beings, we're serving our God. And so Sometimes I think it's easy for us to separate and to say, this is what I do spiritually, and this is what I do temporally. This is what I do as a job. But really, they're both the same thing. We're always serving God we're all, because we're, we should be serving other people. As we're providing a service, whatever our job description is, we're doing some sort of service. We're solving someone's problem or helping them to attain some sort of need or, or pleasure or something that they want. As we're doing that, we're serving God. And so as I read that, I realized that that helps me to look at the, what I do each day for work, for my career, for my job, um, in my business, differently than I would otherwise. Because all of those things are providing a service for someone else, which means that they are serving God. And the thing that I thought about when I read that is, again, I think sometimes we separate and we compartmentalize, well, I can ask God for help with spiritual things, but I can't ask God for help or I don't think about asking God for help with my job or my business or my career. And if my job or my business or my career is providing a service for someone in some way, some way, shape, or manner, then I am serving God. And when we are on the Lord's errand, as President Monson says, we are entitled to the Lord's help, which means that I should and I am counseled to throughout the Book of Mormon, and yes, I know this isn't anything new. I've learned this before, but it hit me differently as I read this. I should be asking for God's help with regards to my business, with regards to my job, with my regards to my career, because it is also a spiritual endeavor. It is also helping someone with something. It's serving them in some way. It's helping them to provide for their family or to receive the things that they need for their family or to... Um, you know, do any number of things. It's it's all in the service of God, and I never thought about that of it that way. And so it really changed the way I view Second Nephi or Second Nephi Mosiah two seventeen, and I really really liked it. Okay, now Mosiah two twenty through twenty one. We always read this, and I've I've read this, and and I always kind of have read this as being kind of a guilt trip. It's like, look, you're no, you're just you're less than the dust of the earth. You know, he even says that in verse twenty five. You know, this is the one where he says, look, if you should render all thanks and praise with your, which your whole soul has power to possess to that God who has created you and kept you and preserved you and caused that you should rejoice and has granted that you should live in peace one with another. I say unto you, if ye should serve him who has created you from the beginning and is preserving you from day to day by lending you breath that you may live and move and do according to your own will and even supporting you from one moment to another. I say, if you should serve him with your, all your whole souls yet ye would be unprofitable servants. 
And then he goes on to say, look, you try to you try to give back to God. You try to keep his commandments, and he blesses you again. And so you still owe him. And I've always read that as, look, you're never – like the, the scales are never equal. Like every time you try to do something, Heavenly Father is just going to bless you again, and you're going to owe him more. And that is true, but I think this made me look at it differently. As I read 20 and 21, I thought of the atonement. I thought of it as an explanation of how the atonement works, of how we can't in any way, shape, or form earn salvation. We can't. We're not trying to. I mean, some of us are. Some of us, I think, think of it wrong. But we shouldn't be trying to earn salvation because we can't. Basically says, look, no matter what you do, God's God's supporting you. God's the one that does it. Christ is the one that that paid for all of this for you. And then in 22 through 24, this is almost like it's the new covenant. It's the it's the covenant that we make with Christ. It's the the law that we live because of Christ. Because it says, Behold, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And he has promised you that if you would keep his commandments, he shall prosper in the land. And he never doth vary from that which he hath said. Therefore, if you do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. And now in the first place, he created you and granted you your lives, for which you are indebted to him. And secondly, he doth require that you should do as he hath commanded you, for which if ye do, he doth immediately bless you. And therefore, he hath paid you, and ye are still indebted unto him, and are and will be forever and ever. Therefore, of what have ye to boast? And as I read this, I thought, okay, so this is the new arrangement. This is the new arrangement. It's not, these are completely separate. This is where I realized that are keeping the commandments. And this is something we've talked about before, um, you know, and, and this is kind of exactly what uh, Brad Wilcox talks about in his um, talk, His Grace is Sufficient, which I referenced a few episodes ago, and I'll reference again in this one. But our salvation and our keeping the commandments are not connected really in any way, shape, or form. Our salvation is paid for, period, no matter what. And our keeping the commandments is part of an agreement with us and Christ, between us and Christ, not an agreement between us and the laws of justice. We can't in any way, shape, or form pay for our salvation, and we're not asked to. Christ doesn't ask us to pay for our salvation. Like Brad Wilcox says, it's not like, oh, you do this much, and then Christ takes care of the rest. That's not the way it works. Our keeping the commandments has nothing to do with us being saved. Our keeping the commandments has everything to do with us and our agreement with Christ, with the covenant we've made with Christ. The command or the, our salvation has been paid for. Our keeping the commandments is part of the new deal that we've made with Christ. And I think that's important for us to remember. You know, we choose which agreement, arrangement we want to live under. Do we want to live under the arrangement with justice? And this is something that he kind of goes into at the end of the chapter as well, in 36 through 39. You know, we can choose whether we want to live Christ's law or we want to live the law of justice. And that's our choice. And the law of justice, um, well, Christ's law, Christ requires that we give all that we can. But whatever amount that is day to day is enough. Whether we do as well as we did yesterday, or we do better than we did yesterday. It doesn't matter. It's enough. If we're trying and we're focusing and we're wanting to keep the commandments, that's enough. 
But the law of justice requires more than we could ever give, no matter how much we can or we do give. Whether we give more yesterday or more today or get better every single day for the rest of our lives, it's still not enough. But with Christ, regardless of what we do, whether we do, you know, if if our effort today is, let's say, a, a 75 and our effort tomorrow is a 73 and our effort the day after that is an 82, it doesn't matter. And the day after that, it's a 45. As long as we're continuing to strive to do it, our effort is enough. That is the arrangement with Christ. But the arrangement with with um, justice means that no matter if we get better every single day, it is still not enough. So who, which arrangement do we want to take? Certainly we want to take Christ, right? We want to take the arrangement where as long as we're doing our best, as long as we're giving all that we can give, as long as we're trying our best every day, as long as when we screw up, we get up the next day and we try again, it's enough. And it has nothing to do with earning salvation. It has nothing to do with salvation at all. Salvation, that the, the determination of salvation has already been made. Christ paid that. That's done. Now we have to keep, you know, we have to choose to enter into the arrangement with Christ. And like King Benjamin says, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And if you do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. That's how we know that we're keeping the commandments. If we experience the Spirit in our lives, if we're blessed, if we're prospered, we know that we are keeping the, that 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 our arrangement is intact. If we feel the spirit, our arrangement is intact. That is the confirmation. You know, we always you know you always get a confirmation email when you when you pay for something, and that is that is that the thing that says yes, we have come to an agreement. You have given me this much money. I am going to send you this whatever, this widget. <laughs> With Christ, it's the same thing. We do our best, and then we get a confirmation email in our hearts. And that confirmation email in our hearts is the Holy Ghost. And as we feel the Holy Ghost, we know that our that our arrangement is confirmed. That we that Christ says it is enough. You have done what you need to do. You are in you are in good standing. You are in, in agreement with the terms of the contract. That is what the Spirit tells us. It tells us that we are in, agree, in agreement with the contract. I remember I can't. I don't know where it was at, but President President Eyring um, said one time that the way we know if we've been forgiven of our sins is if we feel the Spirit. If we feel the Spirit, then we know that we have been forgiven of our sins because the Spirit is the one that tells us whether we are in good standing or not. And that's the arrangement that we have with Christ. Anytime we feel the Spirit, we know that we're okay. Should we continue trying? Absolutely. Should we try to be better? Yes. 100%. But as long as we're feeling the Spirit, we're good. Like, we're on the right track. And I think that's important for us to realize. And that's what I, as I read King Benjamin's words today, that's what I got from it, was that there's these two arrangements. And I read not so much that, hey, you're less than the dust of the earth, and um, you you don't deserve anything you get, but God blesses you anyways. What I got from it is the atonement took care of of the requirements. And nothing you do, nothing you do pays for salvation. Nothing you do helps pay for salvation. Nothing you do even is put towards paying for salvation. The things that you do are put towards the new arrangement. And that's the only arrangement that matters because the other arrangement has been made. You know, it's like when you have a loan and 
and then that loan is sold to another company. Uh, this happened, you know, this happened two or three times with the mortgage on my on my rental house. Uh, it used to be my house, but now it's a rental. We moved. Um, you know, when we first entered into that loan, the loan was with Citibank, and then it was sold to another lender. So when I pay my mortgage now, it is not going to pay to Citibank. That's already been paid. The new lender paid that off. That one's done and dusted. It's it's over. The money now is with the new arrangement. It's with the new mortgage company. And that's the way the atonement works. The atonement is that second lender. The atonement, Christ came in, paid that first loan off. It is done, period. The law of justice has been satisfied. Now when we're paying, when we pay, we're not paying that first loan. That first loan's done. We're paying to this new lender, which is Christ. And all he asks is that we keep his commandments, in the which if we do, he doth bless us, bless us and prosper us. That is the way the atonement works. It's not to pay for salvation. Salvation's paid for. It's done. We're paying under the new arrangement. And again, like I said, the new arrangement, we know we get that confirmation every single time we fill the Spirit. When we fill the Spirit, we know that we are in good terms and good standing in that arrangement. Final thing I'll share. Um, is kind of along those same lines. I love this phrase in verse 36. King Benjamin says, if ye should transgress and go contrary to that which has been spoken, that ye do withdraw yourselves from the spirit of the Lord. And I get why we say it, but a lot of times we talk about how um, the spirit withdraws. And there are scriptures that talk about that, but I love this imagery of we withdraw ourselves from the spirit. The spirit never moves. The Spirit is always standing with righteousness. The Spirit is always standing with truth and with the commandments and with God. It doesn't, I mean, he doesn't move. He says, this is right. He's standing right here. He says, this is right, and this is where I'm staying. And when we break a commandment, when we sin, when we transgress, we leave what is right, which means we leave the Spirit. We withdraw ourselves from the Spirit of the Lord. It's not that the spirit leaves. We left. We left where we were supposed to be to go do whatever it was that we did. The spirit stayed right where it was, which is with truth and with God and with the commandments. And I love that imagery. I love that because it really, I think, frames it correctly for me that my job is to remain where the spirit is. The spirit doesn't really follow me around. I have to stay where the spirit is. Throughout my day, throughout my week, throughout my month, throughout my life, my goal is to stay next to the Spirit, stay near to the Spirit. You know, we talk about that, being close to the Spirit. People that are are, are, are very spiritual, people that are very Christ-like, we talk about them being close to the Spirit. And that's the way it works. The Spirit's not close to us. It is. But really what it comes down to is we've chosen to stay close to the Spirit. And I love that imagery. I love that verse 36 where he says that. Just that imagery of we withdraw ourselves from the Spirit of the Lord when we don't do what we're supposed to. So a lot in there, a lot, some really good stuff, like I always say. Um, but that's what I got out of Mosiah chapter two. And I had never, ever viewed those verses that way. I'd never viewed them as looking at it as the atonement and salvation and how salvation works and how um, we can't pay for salvation and that there's a new arrangement. And that new arrangement is with Christ. And with Christ, Whatever we do, whatever we, how, whatever our best is today, that is good enough. And whether our best today is more or less than yesterday or tomorrow, doesn't matter. 
What matters is that it's our best and we're trying our best. And when we mess up, we get up and we try again and we repent and we feel the spirit. And the spirit is that confirmation that we have done what we needed to do and that we were in good standing with the terms of this new arrangement, with this new covenant, the covenant with Christ. So you get the links to everything we talked about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash BOM49. And we will see you in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.